Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, fellow gamers, and welcome to the Video Gaming Podcast. On Thursdays like today, we break down recent gaming news over the last week. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he is a whimsical drinker and poet and loves to intimidate bears in the wild by roaring into a bell. It's Josh. <laughs> That's an odd <laughs> intro, and yet I knew exactly what you meant by all of that. Oh, oh, good. <laughs> I was a little worried. Yeah. I was hoping the traits would stick with you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to talk about some of the stuff from this week. And then joining me and Josh, he is living out Schrodinger's cat in real life, flashing back and forth between two possible realities. It's Ryan. <laughs> Am I dead? Am I alive? You don't know until you look. <laughs> Did this bomb go off? Did we stop it? All right, guys, today we're going to cover so much cool stuff. We're going to be addressing Dragon's Dogma 2, where winds meet. We're going to talk about the announcement of The Division 3. And then we will give some of our, I guess, semi-final thoughts on Starfield. And that portion will include some major spoilers. So we'll go ahead and throw that at the end in case anyone does not want to hear some of those final thoughts. And then before jumping into these games, please make sure to rate our show five stars in Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a written review and come check out support options through Patreon. It starts at just five bucks a month and you'll unlock bonus episodes and other perks. You can check all of it out at MultiplayerSquad.com. All right. Now we are recording this episode during the last day of the Tokyo Game Show. Up to this point, it's been relatively disappointing. Not a whole lot of earth-shattering news, but we did get some gameplay and some new looks at some other highly anticipated titles. Let's let's start out with Dragon's Dogma 2. Does that work for you guys? Let's do yep. it. All right. So this is coming out next year. It is been being made by Capcom. We got to see a nine-minute gameplay deep dive of the game, and this is a follow-up to the original, which came out in 2012. It is a action RPG hack and slash game. I never played the first. I don't know about you guys. This was my first um, exposure to Dragon's Dogma, but what are some of your guys' thoughts here on this title? It, it was definitely my first exposure as well, and I'm a little disappointed because... I, I'm sad I missed out on this because it looks pretty pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your type of game, Josh I, or uh, Ryan? Yeah, no. I I I thought a lot of the stuff looked cool. I liked the you know support class with the healing and stuff as as far as like the sorcerer and then uh, the archer abilities. Um, I I thought the the gameplay and the the 
kind of cinematics on how they fought and everything looked looked really really cool. Yeah, I it's so funny because I never played Dragon's Dogma one. I I I have heard good things about it, but I think at this point it's kind of old and it's you know like it's just not a super popular title anymore. So I start watching this gameplay, and this is all stuff right up my alley. I, I mean, classes, fantasy world setting. It looks like fun combat. I will say that I had to laugh at the narration when they're going through Dragon's Dogma 2. Yes. <laughs> yes. Paul, yes. Paul's this is the first face. thing I wrote down. Go <laughs> ahead, Josh. <laughs> this is so funny the way they described like the classes yeah. in the game. Like they're getting they're talking about an archer, right? And they're like, archers use ranged weapons to damage their foes. Using a yes. bow and an arrow as an archer, you will fire arrows at your enemies. And I'm like I know Uh-oh. what an archer is, guys. <laughs> and then they're like introducing the fighter. The fighter participates in melee combat, often using a shield and sword to punish and damage their enemies. And it's like I know what a fighter is. Like, it's are they going to do this day on Earth? Are they going to do this for all of them? And then, sure enough, they're like sorcerers. Depend on magic to cast spells from afar. What? <laughs> I was like, tell me more about the game, guys. I don't need to know like definitions of classes at this point. This this was literally like RPG 101, day one in the classroom. They literally defined fighter, archer, mage, and thief as if you've never heard these terms before. They they only stopped short of saying healing is when you add health back onto one of your teammates. Like that that was that's about as close as it got though in the rest of this trailer. It was very funny. I will say these are not the most like creative classes or terms. This is like very traditional. Yeah. I liked a lot of what I saw here, but I don't know that they're looking to bring a whole lot of like innovation and creativity to RPGs. Yeah, everything. I mean, I do like what I saw in the gameplay. I do think it looks fun. Um, I was just a little taken aback by how simplified they tried to like narrate this. And I was kind of like, I'd like to know a little bit more about the actual gameplay or the systems. The one thing that they showed that I did like was like the sorcerer had like this really long like cast time almost. Like it was like they were casting... I don't know, chain lightning or some kind of lightning blast. And it was a solid like five seconds of channeling that, which is what a, I mean, that's lore, you know, relatable for like a wizard or a sorcerer or something like that. So that part to me was a little cool, but I, I'm glad I'm not the only one that realized that because I was laughing while I'm watching this, just going like, <laughs> guys, come on. <laughs> oh, I wrote down another quote. A camping kit allows you to spend the night and recover your health. That is verbatim in the trailer as oh well. Yeah. Um, I will say, out of the cool stuff, to maybe you know put a more positive spin, I loved how they showed if you play as a thief, when you fight some of the bigger boss enemies, you actually can literally jump on their back and like mantle yes. and climb your way mm-hmm. up while stabbing and fighting this like giant monster. I thought that was really cool. Um, But this trailer also does not give you a single ounce of story. This is like very basic reveal type stuff. I I don't know that I saw anything that would necessarily get me super hyped to play it. I thought it looked neat. Uh, I'm kind of waiting maybe to to learn a little bit more about story before I really feel hooked, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we didn't see a ton. Again, I like what I did see. I I dig these kind of games like this, too. I, I mean, this is... This follows a lot of like the same 
kind of animation or like camera angle style of games like Gothic and Elix and, uh, you know, apparently Dragon's Dogma 2. I don't know what Dragon's Dogma 1 looked like. I'm assuming it was similar. But yeah, this is this is up my alley. I did. When I saw the thief, I'm like, ooh, Josh would probably like that. <laughs> yeah, being old Josh it, it's up, always about rogue. and just climb up the back Dude. with your rogue knives and just ah start. It is funny them. because I watched all these other classes and then they got to the thief and it's like this dude's super fast, zippy, and just like going ballistic <laughs> yeah. with these two little daggers on things and then like zipping away and then like he's climbing up and I was like, well, I know what class I'm playing in this game. (laughs) I think everyone's going to want to play Thief. The one thing that's a little bit of a bummer is that it is just a single player game, but you do run around with three AI controlled squad mates that they call pawns that run around with you. So I think it'd be a lot more interesting if it were multiplayer. Um, and then also I did read, I thought this was really neat. There are no loading screens at all in the world while exploring. So if you go into a cave or a dungeon, it seamlessly loads you into that content. The only time that you will see the game break and then start something is if it's a video cutscene. But as far as exploration goes, it'll be like the original God of War or the God of War reboot where everything is seamless, which is very cool. I do have a question for you guys because I, I want to know if this is just me or not. They did talk about how you can have like a full party and it's AI bots that are basically following you around. I will 100% never use that feature in a game like this because the combat's a little bit more real time. It's not like Baldur's Gate 3 where you have a party and everybody takes their turn kind of thing. Like in an actual action RPG setting like this, I don't know why, but I have zero interest in having AI bots follow me around and sit there and wail on things. Like I'll, I'll play the game solo, even if it's more difficult. Like, is do you guys do that, or is that just a weird Josh thing where I you don't loner. want bots that's following a, me around? That's a weird Josh thing. Is man. it? Dang I got it, man. Yeah, I gotta have my guys there so then I can yell at them. Like, come on, dude, where you heal me? What are you doing? You know, like <sighs> talk crap to them, get mad. You gotta have you gotta have the group. I see. I I'm, I want to be the master of my own fate, man. I don't want some <laughs> bot that didn't heal me. You know, not healing me. Isn't this exactly the same like what you get in DOS 2 and what you get in Dragon no, Age? Like you are, have the Those are turn-based. So in that case, like I'm okay with that because then I get to dictate what they do during the turn. Like it's my party, right? Like I get that the AI makes them move around, but in DOS 2 or Baldur's Gate 3, like I control each of those characters. In in Dragon's Dogma 2, you don't control the other characters. They're just there doing their weird little AI bot thing. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't want that at all. I will play the game solo the whole way. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. I mean, like Dragon Age 2 and 3, you know, you don't control. I mean, you can, you can control them, which but you're I playing do, as actually, the main character. To be honest, I, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit of a micromanager, I guess. I don't know. No way. You play Dragon Age Inquisition not turn-based? Every, not, no, 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 no. But what I'm saying oh, okay. is if I'm like fighting a big dragon and it's a hard fight, I will 100% like real-time pause and then like issue orders to each person and then let them fight a little bit and then real time pause and, and kind of do it like that. Like, I'm not saying for every single action, but when strategy yeah. is needed, I'll, I'll dictate the strategy. Yeah. AI controlled bots is, is usually not the greatest way to go about things, but uh, in some games it turns out. Okay. I guess it just kind of depends. All right. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we spent that much time talking about that one because I thought where wins meet, was a way more interesting game to look into. This is an open world action adventure game set in ancient China. 
I thought this game was really fun to watch a trailer of. I thought the music was beautiful. I am normally not one that really loves these like Eastern RPGs, but there's something about ancient China that I really enjoy. This has sword fighting, magic, platforming elements, and exploration. We got to see 18 minutes of gameplay. I loved the very beginning of this gameplay trailer because there's this thrilling sequence where you are riding on horseback and you're riding across these fields where you've got all the like red flowers and grass everywhere. There's catapults shooting you. There's other people on horseback shooting arrows at you. You're shooting arrows back. And then... All of a sudden, at the end of the fight, like you pull a baby out of your robes, and it's like, <laughs> what? Like this, yeah. this is like how you create intrigue. It was this really fascinating action sequence. I don't know why they're carrying this baby around. Now they're in this giant boss fight that reminded me of like Souls, you know, bosses. I thought that this game actually looked really interesting, and I, I was wondering if you guys feel similarly. Agreed. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was really cool, especially the effect where. He's like spinning in the air and the baby just gets like whoosh, grazed on the cheek and it starts crying. It's like, yeah. and then he's like, oh, here we go. And then the, the boss comes and they start the boss fight. I thought um, the actual engagement of the boss fight looked really cool. I thought uh, how, how they battled and the, and the sequence um, was super neat. Uh, so I'm excited to see kind of where this goes and, and what this you know entails. I thought I thought the graphics were beautiful. So. Yeah, I'm I'm like YouTube Paul. I, I'm not big on those Eastern Asian things where it's like, you know, just all kind of looks that same way. But this this mm-hmm. looks pretty neat. I'm gonna say two games that I think that this meshes very well, and I think that's gonna generate a lot more interest for people that maybe have never heard of this game. This looks like Ghost of Tsushima meets oh, Dark Souls. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Meets Dark Souls, dude. Like that the first but I'll tell you, I had a really cool surprise at the end of this trailer. So in the beginning, like you said, Paul awesome horse chase scene, all kinds of chaos. Yeah. Riding across the field. I was like, Oh, this is ghost of Tsushima. Like I'm in. And then they went through the boss fight thing. And I'm like, Oh wait, this is, this is dark souls. Like I'm in. And then they got to a point later on. Cause this was a long trailer. It was 18 minute trailer. But then all of a sudden they get to a point where you're in a town and you're running through the town, talking to people and getting quests and going to the different vendors and stuff like that. And then I went, is this the modern day version of Jade Empire? Because that's, <laughs> I mean, I love the Jade Empire, dude. Bioware, Jade Empire, that game was phenomenal. And that's when like it all kind of clicked for me. And I was like, I am hyped about this game now because this is not just Dark Souls, but in like an Eastern setting. This is not Ghost of Tsushima, but with Dark Souls bosses, there's something more going on here. And then, Paul, you you alluded to it in the intro where they start showing off some of the skill trees and the different abilities and stuff. Yes. At one point, you're watching a frog jump around and then your <laughs> dude learns how to frog jump. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, And, and, and then the, they show a bear. Some bear gets ticked off at you. So you're, your guy's doing some crazy martial arts thing. Like Kung Fu forms the bear and, and hits the bear way up into the sky. And then the bear goes flying. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this game, man? <laughs> Sometimes you got a Kung Fu bear, man. I did it, dude. I, I legitimately loved everything I saw in this trailer. And it, there was just a lot of surprises where I went, I really like what they're doing with this. Oh, dude, there's some of the abilities. So 
one of them was called Goat Charge. Yeah. And I had to pause the screen because you see the animation. And I, I wrote down the description. Grab the horns of a goat running from behind you and leap onto its back to charge forward with it. Hold the goat's horns to control the direction, launching up all targets along the way. So you literally spawn a goat, jump on its back, and just buck every enemy where they, they go flying 10 feet. I imagine you can use this to knock enemies off ledges, to stun large groups of enemies. I mean, that's hysterical. They also had Lion Roar, where your character just like all of a sudden summons the world's biggest bell and then just roars through it like a lion, which actually scares the bear and it runs away for a while. Like this was very much more creative than what I saw from Dragon's Dogma 2. This actually had really clever things, not to mention all the traits. Like they show when you do character creation, some of the traits that they had in there that I jotted down were drinker, witty, mountain lifter, chatterbox, brainy, seafarer, poet, whimsical, you know, all these terms. I'm very curious to to learn down the road. What are all the pros and cons of this stuff? Like, like why would you make your guy a drinker? Is it where, Like, if you drink alcohol, you can fight better, like Jackie Chan in Drunken Master. But then if you (laughs) don't drink alcohol, like, do you start losing health? I'm very curious to find out. Yeah, I just, I love all the different aspects that this game is showing off and the different systems that they have on top of what looks to be great combat, really good graphics. I mean, it really looks like a complete and total package where it's like you are getting RPG elements, you are getting action elements, you're getting a beautiful setting. You're getting story, even though we don't know a ton, but it's like, yeah, like you mentioned, why are you holding a baby? Like, why are you fighting a boss with a baby in your robes, (laughs) man? Yeah. Like there's just, there's (laughs) mystical stuff that, I mean, I, there's so many things that just make me go like, Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Oh wait, that's really cool. Okay, that's cool too. So when that starts happening, I like I said, this this is going on my list. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Paul sounds like he can push people off cliffs, so he's he's happy. That's all I need. <laughs> uh, and it did make me chuckle because at one point you see a goose running on some stairs, and as they pan past it, its its name title card is Goose on the Loose, <laughs> just running around the town. The goose so is loose. Like, Oh, this is so funny, man. This game seems like it it looks very interesting, very well made. I'm very highly intrigued by it. Do we know so, when yeah, this make is sure to go out? check out? Uh so the name of the game is Where Winds Meet. I do not think we have a release window yet for that one. Dang it. Uh expected. All right. Well, wait a minute. It says a expected in late 2023. I saw that. That might be an old article too, though. Yeah, a a few said that they were thinking it would probably be late 2023, early 2024. I think those are just old guesses. I I don't think we know for sure on this one. I I would I would be surprised if it's this year. I I if if it releases this year, this is going on my list of like one of my more anticipated games for later this year. Yeah, (laughs) which is saying a lot. Yeah, honestly, for such a killer year in gaming. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are now back. The Division 3 was officially announced this week by Ubisoft. You guys are both Ryan? enormous fans. Ryan, you win with me. Series. You in with me, Ryan? Oh, I'm yeah. in. Let's go to the dark zone, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to clear out of the way. You know, this is this is your guys' series. Are you guys excited? Like, what are you looking for? How do you feel about Division 3? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> I loved the first two Division games. They're not without their flaws. Um, I, I would say my biggest complaint with the Division Two was just you know boss fights are bullet sponges. You have to unload forty magazines to kill a boss. It's not they're not really predicated on like really cool mechanics or positioning or stuff like that. It was just don't die in the ten minutes that it, you're sitting there just with an assault rifle unloading on this boss. So if they can fix that. You know, if they can add more of the raid type mechanics, which they've done in the end game for Division Two, they definitely had these like raid type bosses. But I mean, if you give me more of the same, but fix some of the pain points, I'm 100% in. Honestly, even if you don't fix it, you call it the Division Three. I haven't played Division Two in a really long time. I'm probably in anyway, just because I really enjoy the series. We don't really know a whole lot at this point. What I am curious about is how is this going to be different and upgraded from the Division 2. And, you know, we, we've talked about it before. Division 2 Heartland is coming out as like a free kind of expansion pack. But it, we we jokingly said it doesn't really look like it adds anything other than like suburban houses versus like inner city buildings. So I'd like more info. But honestly, I, I really enjoy the series. I'm probably in regardless. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in for sure, no matter what, at least to check it out. And and as far as like, I, I know that was a huge issue with the bosses and they're just, like you said, straight bullet sponges, but I more than anything enjoyed just going through the city and, and, and that was my favorite part. The bosses were kind of there and, you know, you do the raids and stuff, but but the small groups, the small areas you'd run into, the little uh, buildings that you'd navigate through, the labs, all of those things, that's what I loved. When I see just this desolate wasteland of apocalyptic life, that always hooks me every single time so i'm a hundred percent gonna be in on this game for sure i'm with you ryan now we just gotta get paul <laughs> to play it how do we get paul to play it uh so paul I, there's i liked the division on that i thought it was fine part of these areas there's cliffs and you can just kind of push mm -hmm. people off oh so, I, I don't i don't believe that that is not there true you, yeah, yeah you never saw the giant hole in the middle of manhattan you can kick yeah. people off of if the Division 3 lets me ride on a goat, <laughs> I will absolutely pick it up and play it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy the Division. I think this is one that'll kind of depend on timing. I don't know if I'll necessarily buy it at release. If you guys both really want to play it, maybe we'll all pick it up and cover it on the show. But otherwise, it's more of the kind of game I would wait until it would go on Steam sale, play it a few hours until it got grindy, and then I would quit. Um, that's exactly how I played the Division 1. I think I got like a good 
10 hours out of it and kind of got bored but i think i paid like four dollars for it so oh nice that yeah, yeah that's just kind of like in general the division's nothing i'm excited for but i always enjoy playing it while i'm in there it's so good with friends too though it really yeah. is such a fun yeah. like co it's that co-op experience really really adds to it a ton just wandering through the city as a group you know coming across cool quests or you know boss fights or something like that loot it's a looter shooter too so you're always getting really cool loot you've got skill trees so you're unlocking like really cool high-end abilities depending on your class and stuff like that they, they dangle that carrot really well all right well yeah we'll have to keep our eye out on the division three we'll let you guys know as we learn more info about that moving forward all right time to check in on starfield oh, now yeah. we did in initial impressions episode where all of us played it and basically did nothing else for three straight days, and then we recorded that episode. At this point now, I have beaten the game a couple times. I know Ryan beat it. Josh, I believe, has given up on it at this point, but I thought this would be a good time to kind of check in with everybody, see kind of like what our final thoughts are on Starfield, as I think we've all kind of now kind of reached the end point for us individually. Um, I, I want to start on a more positive note, and since Ryan beat the game, I'm assuming... He's a little more positive on it. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Starfield at this point? Now that you're more like, you know, I don't you're know, out of the 60 honeymoon hours in. I'm yeah. enlightened. I'm actually almost <laughs> to 80 hours. Um, wow. Yeah. And so I still, and I know I had said this previously, I still feel like I haven't done much of anything. I went through the main campaign. I went on a couple side kind of uh, sequence quests, but... There is just so much to this game, and everywhere you go, there's something new that pops up. Everywhere you go, there's uh, some other quest, some little side quest that starts another chain, and and it just it feels like it opens up a whole new game for you still. And uh, I, I mean, I've got like I said, I got almost eighty hours in, so I've um, I, I just got a whole new sequence, you know. And I'm, I'll try to not do spoilers, but I got into this planet where there was this crazy monster. That just ripped through this whole like uh, uh, research facility and and everything. Um, I'm sure you guys know which one it is. With uh, I think it was with the Rangers, but it was it was awesome. You have to like kick on lights and then machine guns and you have to do all this stuff and get blood samples. It was it was just so cool and it was just one of the missions, and it was one of the million that I haven't even done yet. So there's still so much more gameplay. There's so much more. Um, to explore i haven't even tapped into uh, outposts really i've messed around yeah. a little bit i haven't really i've i've done a little bit of shipbuilding not really messing i i've i'm on starfield reddit and i'm i just watch the crazy things these guys make and how much money they spend on them and all the crazy designs you know it's there's just i could ramble on all day so it, it yeah it's crazy <laughs> so i think there's two main things i wanted to talk to you about ryan first of all I think we have to talk about the quest called Entangled. I thought that was oh. by far the peak of Starfield for me. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? When when you had talked to us before I had got to that mission, I was really excited to see what you were talking about because you were raving about that mission. And yeah. when I got to it, I, I didn't remember the name and I wasn't paying it. I don't ever look at that stuff. I just, you know, play the game. And so I, I wasn't sure, but I was playing it. I was like, this is like one of the coolest things I've ever done. <laughs> this has to be the mission Paul was talking about. And I, and I didn't look because I was so sucked into the game. But afterwards, I realized that it was. And I was just blown away. I thought the way they did it, the way they 
executed it was just amazing. I, I had so, so much fun on that level. So to explain the way that quest works, and for me, I uh, like Josh and I did an episode on all-time favorite quests. And if we were to re-record that, this one would make it no question. So I think a lot of people are familiar with like Schrodinger's thought or Schrodinger's cat thought experiment, where basically the whole idea being that you know, looking at probability, you have two different possible results, and the theory is that you could have two different multiverses, one where each outcome becomes true. Either the cat in the box is dead, or the cat is alive, and then once you open the box and see, that is now the reality and the set outcome in your universe. Well, this mission takes that idea and makes you play through it, where there is a lab doing all of these like hardcore experiments, and it comes down to whether or not there's an explosion that goes off in the lab and you start flashing back and forth between two realities where you're talking to people running a lab. And then all of a sudden you're like in the ruins of this lab. And there's one dude named Raphael who's alive. And he's like, yeah, everyone died in this explosion. I'm the only one left. I've been here for a year. And then all of a sudden you blink back into the other one and you're learning that Raphael died in this, you know, lab accident, and, and but he died, but everyone else lived. And so you start playing through both realities and it's very clever because you might get blocked in one reality and you have to manually switch to the other reality. And then you kind of like work your way through like a puzzle. And then at the end, they give you a choice. Well, which outcome do you want to be the case? Where Raphael is finally rescued, but everyone else is dead, or everyone else is alive and you've abandoned Raphael. But there's actually a hidden third way to go about the mission where you can actually reconcile both together and actually rescue everybody. But I just thought that was such a fun idea. If, if you like physics and that kind of stuff at all, I thought it was a very clever way of of putting that into the game, but not making it too brainy. It, it just kind of makes sense. There's two universes. You just swap back and forth as you work your way through it all. What a cool idea. I kept wondering what that quest was, so I'm glad you explained it finally, because I'll probably never see it. <laughs> oh, no, dude. You got you to at least it's, play to do that quest. Yeah, it was so cool. I have a feeling it's one of those ones where it's like actually playing it and seeing it in person is way better than like hearing it described because you're actually living it at that point. Well, there's like, like Paul was saying, there's you'll get stuck at uh, where a door won't open in like the facility that's active and running. So then you can, there'll be these like kind of little glyphs or sparkly areas and you go and you can shift into the other universe and then boom, that like wall is just destroyed because of the ruins and then you can go through and then you can shift back into the other area and so you navigate your way between the two realities to get to the area you need to like complete the mission which it was so, it was so cool the way they did that and then um i didn't know that there was a third option paul but yeah i definitely saved my uh boy Raphael. so me and, him <laughs> and you let everyone else die yep yeah mine was cool because if you check his corpse he has notes and you find out that he figured out how to merge the realities and they give oh. you instructions and it's like 12 steps long. And if you go through and do everything he says, you actually bring them together and, and you get to see Raphael and all of his old crew get back together and they're like crying. And Raphael's like, I saw you all die a year ago. I can't believe we're all back together. Oh, wow. Really cool idea. And then also just to talk a little bit about how new game plus works and we're going into all things spoiler, obviously, but the whole idea being that 
I, I have been on record saying I hate when video games go into multi universes because then nothing matters and there's no stakes in anything. This is slightly different because basically you find out your entire purpose is to find these artifacts that give you power. You collect them all in a current universe, hop into a new universe and hunt down more artifacts and get even more powerful. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie, the one with Jet Li back in like the early 2000s. Oh yeah. That's exactly what this game ended up being. That was a movie where if you defeated yourself in another universe, you got more powerful. This is the same kind of idea. So in my first playthrough, I was very nice and rule abiding. And then on my second playthrough, I was like, oh, I'm just a power hungry explorer (laughs) in space. I treated everyone like garbage. I came in and I was just really like, yeah, I'm powerful and I'm special. So get out of my way. Here's where the artifacts are. I'm going to go collect them. You do all my dirty work. And I thought it was so funny to be able to play through multiple times and like have a different attitude because I felt like that's what you would get. That's what you would devolve into as you're just hopping universes. Everyone is disposable and it's just about getting more power. So I I ended up really loving the final third of Starfield. I thought it was very clever in how it encourages you to do new game plus. And that, that explains a lot why uh, the hunter is the way he is too. Yes, exactly. It it just explains exactly why he comes off the way he does when he's like, who are you? You know, what what are you guys doing? You know, I'm, I'm me. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and Josh, I I think, I think you're just done with Starfield at this point. Do you think you're going to go back to it at any point? I, there is still a part of me that wants to experience this entangled mission, to be honest with you. Um, and I I have a lot of praise for Starfield. Being away from it for like two weeks now, I will say that I I think Starfield is a very good video game. Like I would recommend it to anybody out there. I will say we kind of talked about this a little bit offline that I don't know that I feel like it is a like revolutionary or like very special game. In that regard, like it's it it it's a lot of classic Bethesda and the freedom of choice and you know a ton of content and stuff like that. But it's just weird because I don't have this like wistfulness for Starfield like I have for games like Cyberpunk or you know, even Skyrim, to be honest. Like Skyrim, I really, really got you know wrapped up in and played a ton. And Starfield's just, it didn't grab me that way. And that's, I'm not trying to slander Starfield, so don't hear what I'm not saying in that regard. I just, there wasn't anything special enough about Starfield to make me remember it fondly, other than that it's a huge sandbox where you can do just about anything you want. But I feel like there's a dozen of those games out there too. So, you know, it's it's a weird place because it's like, I can appreciate how great this game is. And how some people will say, this is one of the best games I've played in a really long time. But I also understand the side that there's a lot of people out there that are saying, this game is fun, but it's nothing special. And so I can kind of, I think I'm squarely in the middle of like, like looking at both sides and kind of nodding my head and saying like, yeah, I get what you're saying. And it's like, I kind of understand what you're saying too. So see, I would definitely say it's not revolutionary, but I would still say it's really special because it does all those things so well. And a lot of times when I hear people, and I know you're not doing this, Josh, but when I hear other people really criticize Starfield, it's usually like one specific thing. I don't like that there's so much fast travel, or I don't like that I can't just take off into the sky and land on a planet. And it's like, okay, yes, that's true. Those things aren't in the game. 
but there's also 700 other things that are so good about it and there's just so much to get into i i I don't know if you feel the same or not ryan I, i think for a lot of people i think most of the struggle comes down to expectation and i think if you go into this expecting bethesda's take on the original mass effect trilogy that is much more how this game plays it is not no man's sky really at all it's much more like mass effect in in how it operates um i'm curious to see over time as mods come in i think that'll change things up a lot i think similar to cyberpunk expectations were unachievable and so over time as the game improves and there's mods i wonder if more people will jump back in and maybe find more fun um but for me it's it's not a game of the year winner but i'm so glad that i was able to put so many hours into it i i do have to wonder there there i would actually like to do this because it's kind of like cyberpunk where my initial playthrough of cyberpunk i kind of went yeah that's a good game but then my playthrough a year ago when we went back through it, I was like, this is one of the best games I've ever played. Like I have to wonder with Starfield, like once there are more mods and they kind of fix a lot of the, the, you know, the little things that detract from that experience. Modders always fix it. I mean, I do wonder if like, if I play Starfield a year from now, like, am I going to be like, whoa, like this game is incredible now, you know? And, And so I can see that comparison and I could see how it could be that way. A little, um, I will say a little behind the scenes, we may or may not have gotten to a little heated argument. No, about not the, us. The, the exploration of Starfield and the and the fast travel nature. And I was on one side, and I may or not may not have switched to the other side. Now, I, oh, I will yeah? say For which part. I, I will say, I know I was with you, Paul. On uh, I was calling Josh crazy, and I'm like, oh, dude, you're wild, man. But the more I played, I put in like another 20 hours from that conversation, and I just with Skyrim, I could just wander, and you would just run, and then you run into something, and you could play. Now, if I want to do that, I have to get up, I have to launch my ship, I have to fly to another planet, I have to land, then I have to get out, then I have to go look around. It it just it's not as seamless as as the exploration is on those, I, I still love it. I still think it's cool. You can see something off in the distance. You can go run and just check it out and see what's there. And, and all the detail within the facility is amazing. But I will say, um, I've backtracked a little bit on on the ease of the exploration compared to those types of games. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I would not call Starfield an exploration game yeah. at all. If you're going to this wanting exploration, you're going to be disappointed. I will also say it's not complicated. You jump in your ship, you look at something and press F yeah. and then you land and then and then you're there. But at the same time, there's pros and cons to all these things, right? Me personally, I don't need a game that provides me 400 hours of content where I can just land on a random planet and find procedurally generated stuff. I prefer to play like the original Mass Effect trilogy. Give me all handcrafted content. I don't need to go off and explore and find random stuff. I'd rather have a really good 50 hour game. That's all hand all handmade. And that's not Starfield, but Starfield, you can squeeze way more hours out of than like mass effect three. If you wanted to, you could play Starfield a thousand hours and still be, you know, doing new stuff. So I think it just comes down to whatever your inclinations are as a gamer. But at the same time, if there's something you don't like in Starfield, don't do it. You know, if you're not digging ranger missions, go do something else. If you love dogfighting, just stay in your ship. Keep flying to new (laughs) systems and you'll keep dogfighting. Like, you know, just (laughs) lean into what you like. And I think you'll get more enjoyment out of it as well. For sure. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I know this episode ran a little bit longer than normal, but there's just so much to talk about here this week. That wraps up everything here for this week in gaming. As a reminder, please make sure to go check out Patreon support options at MultiplayerSquad.com and make sure to rate and review our show. We love and appreciate you all. And until next time, happy gaming. See ya. All right. See everybody.